0: I'm Yamoka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello everybody and welcome to the Brand Therapist podcast. I'm so excited. I have Sheena here with me. We're going to hear all about her before we get started, Sheena though. I'm going to read your bio. Sheena Yap Chan is a keynote speaker, coach, podcaster, consultant and author of Building Self-Confidence. She currently inspires women through her award winning podcast called the Tao of Self Confidence, where she interviews Asian women about their inner journey to self confidence. Her mission is to help Asian women boost their confidence to live their authentic selves, help Asian women create a voice in the world and create a stronger representation for Asian women. Sheena has been featured on Mind Valley. Slice.ca, Marketing in Asia, Manila Times, and more. She is also the top 100 Filipinos to follow on LinkedIn for inspiration and learning in 2021. She is also the co-author of the international bestseller book, Asian Women Who Boss Up. Welcome, Sheena. How are you today?
1: Hey, Amelka! I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's such an honor to be here today.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to talk and ask you all my questions. You are on my couch today. Tell me a little bit about you, about what you do. Just tell the audience a little bit about you.
1: Yeah, for sure. So as Yamilka mentioned, you know, I am a keynote speaker, consultant, author, podcaster. Everything really started with my own podcast called The Tao of Self-Confidence, where I interviewed Asian women about their journey to self-confidence. And that for me was really important because I grew up in Toronto, Canada. And when you grow up in the 90s, you know, you don't see anybody that looks like you. And it was really hard for me to accept my own cultural background. It wasn't really until I saw the Joy Love Club, All-American Girl, where I finally saw an Asian face on TV or on the movies. And so, you know, it was always something that I've been passionate about, creating that voice, creating better representation, because till this day, there's so many things that still happen to us, right? We're still seen by our negative stereotypes. We get easily targeted for Asian hate crimes. There's been a rise of violence against Asian women. And part of that too is our upbringing, right? We've been told all all our lives that never make any noise, stay in the background, anything bad that happens to you, you just keep it to yourself, And so literally now our silence is killing us. And that's why it's so important for us to keep moving up, keep speaking up. And a lot of people might think, well, you're just catering to Asian women. Well, no, not really, because it's still all women, right? My story can still relate to somebody, right? Because as women, we go through self-doubt, we go through self-confidence issues, we go through fears. I mean, all women feel that, right? But at this point, sometimes Asian women are always seen as the most invisible. In fact, there was a report from McKinsey that mentioned that uh, the representation of Asian women in corporate roles fell 80%, wow. which is huge because a report from Catalyst.org mentioned that in 2021, Asian women only represented 3.7% in leadership and corporate roles. So if it's already 3.7% and then it fell another 80, like, you know, that's next to nothing. So this is why it's so important. It is really
0: critical. And I love, I love what you're doing but I want to know a little bit into how that came up. So it wouldn't be the Brown Therapist podcast if I didn't ask you about your childhood. So tell me a story about a time in your childhood that you can connect to what you do today.
1: For me, it was when I was like seven or eight or maybe nine. I just didn't feel beautiful in my own skin. I wanted to have blonde hair, blue eyes, change my name to Heather because that's what I really thought beauty was, right? I have thin black hair, I have small eyes, you know, I have pale white skin. And for me, I just didn't feel beautiful. And I always felt really small because I didn't look like a certain way. And I'm sure a lot of people felt that way too growing up in the North America, right? Especially when your parents are immigrants, right? When you're not a person of color, when you're seen as a minority, even though I hate when people call me a minority because there's nothing minor about us. But that is something that I had to deal with, right? Feeling small because I was a certain person, I was a certain color of the skin or I was a certain culture.
0: That's really interesting because it reminded me when I was growing up in Venezuela, I was born in Venezuela and I wasn't even in the U.S. yet. And I also wanted to be lighter skin and blue eyes, actually my dad's side of the family, my grandfather had blue eyes. And I was like, why didn't I come out with blue eyes too? And actually, if you think about the story that my grandmother tells, my dad's a mother, she tells the story of how she had to marry a white guy to make the race better. Can you believe that? You know, at the beginning, I couldn't understand. And she kept in her old age when she was um, very close to passing away. That's the story that she told every single time. It was how her parents made her marry somebody that was light skin so the race could be better. I mean, imagine that. And she had 12 children and only two of those children came out with blue eyes. And one, only one came out with light skin. Everybody else is like her. She has dark skin, straight hair, and almost all her children look like her, except for those two. But only one came out with a light skin. But now I feel so proud of being who I am. It takes a while to get to that journey. But what I wanted to ask you, you know, the other thing I always ask my guests What is your fame story? Because we all have one, right? And you're a super confident woman. Look at you. Red is your brand color. So tell me about your fame story. And how did you know that you were famous?
1: I don't even know if I consider myself famous. And that's probably because of like the critical part of me. But I think really that fame story really came out when I started talking about Asian women who boss up. You know, my podcast also helped, right? Right. I've had this podcast for seven years, I've interviewed over 700 Asian women, have over 1.2 million downloads today, but it's still, it's still a very small platform compared to other media platforms. I think to date, there's probably under 3 million podcast shows in total compared to like how many blogs, how many YouTube channels, right? And so I said, I need to bring that visibility more. I really needed to get more visibility in different media platforms. I like to think of it as like, I want to be like BTS big, right? Like they're just literally everywhere. That's what I want for our community. And so when I met Tam online during the pandemic in the summer of 2020, and she started talking about the books and I told her what I did, she was just like, let's create a book highlighting Asian women. I was like, yeah, let's do it. What else is there to do, (laughs) right? We're all stuck at home. And we were committed, right? Regardless if it took a year or two, we were just committed. Unfortunately, it came out when there was a huge uptick in Asian hate crimes, right? Stop Asian movement started coming out. And maybe it was divine timing. I don't know, because we created this book just to really highlight Asian women to create a better representation. And from then, you know, we were getting called to be interviewed, be on TV. I was in TV stations across the world, like in Canada and the US, in China, which almost gave me a heart attack because they have over a hundred million followers on Facebook. And then I was on a prime time show with an award-winning host. And when it's prime time, you know, that's huge, right? Like at one point I blanked out when someone asked me a question, I was like, oh my God, I'm so screwed. And <laughs> I did that. I still made it happen, right? Even in the Philippines, got to speak for big companies like Live Nation. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have a book out there to promote my message, to put myself out there, to use it to market. Right, because it's the greatest thing ever. People read your story; they feel connected. They want to get to know who you are. They want to follow you. They want to know everything about you. You know, at the time when everything was like crazy and we didn't know what was going to happen, I was just like, I'm just going to say yes because what's the worst that could happen, right? The worst that could happen is the book didn't happen. But I'm glad it did, right? Because now it's gone beyond that, right? We're going to be in Paris meeting each other. Like, how cool is that? And that wouldn't have happened if. I didn't decide to co-create this book.
0: Yeah, we're going to Paris. I'm so excited about that. One of the things that you were saying, it's so funny. I don't know if you noticed yourself saying this, but you started, I don't know if I'm really famous. And then
1: you talk about all these things that you've done and it's like, you're famous, girl. You're famous. I, I know, I'm guilty of that. And I tell other people and they're like, I don't have a story. And then they talk about how they were undercover for a drug bus while they were pregnant. And I'm like, What? <laughs> I think that's just all within our inner critic, right? I'm guilty of it. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm human. I think it's okay to just be like that, just to be authentic, to be real, because we all go through that, right? It's so funny when I talk about this.
0: People are really, it's interesting what the word fame does to people. So I just love it. I love asking the question because we should break the barriers of that, not just as a woman, but As humans. But the other thing is that fame has a very bad rap. But if you think about what Socrates said, that fame is honorable, then you would have an entire different perspective. But let me ask you about your personal brand. What's your personal brand all about?
1: For me, it's all about confidence and courage, right? If anyone knows me, they always see me in red. When I go to a networking event, that's the first thing they notice. So I'm a little weird, right? I've decided to minimalize a lot of things. I minimalize my wardrobe colors, you know, the food that I eat, because when you read successful entrepreneurs like Mark Zuckerberg, right? He wears the same thing every day. Well, I can't do that. But the reason why he does that is because he wants to be able to use his brain power for something better, right? I mean, as humans, when we have so many choices, what do we do? We spend an hour trying to figure out what we want to eat, what we want to wear, and then that's like a lot of wasted time. So when I saw why he did that, I was like, okay, I'm going to minimalize my way of stuff, but not as bad as his. Like, I don't want to be wearing the same thing over again, but it really started with minimalizing colors, minimalizing foods, cut out meat, things like that. Decide to wear just three basic colors versus 20. And it makes life a lot easier for me. So red was my primary color that I used to promote branding wise is because for me, red represents confidence and courage. So when there's days when I'm not confident, I'll just wear something red and it just boosts my mood up. And also in my culture, red signifies a happy color. So if it's someone's birthday, we wear red to celebrate that. So, you know, if I'm at my aunt's house and we're having lunch, they'll be like, why are you wearing red? Is it someone's birthday? I was like, or is it your birthday? I'm like, it's my birthday every day. And they just laugh. And then, you know, we move on. That's why we're red.
0: (laughs) How lucky are you that the book is red? Yeah. That is super fortunate. Now that's really interesting because I kind of know what your archetype is now that you said that, but like you said, everybody's different. So everybody gets to do their personality, how it best fits them. And I love that. Now we're going to get into a little deeper questions now. Tell me your greatest fear
1: before it was failure, right? Because as a kid in the Philippines, I failed kindergarten for coloring outside the lines. I was stuck on this one photo trying to just color within the lines. It didn't work. They gave me a whole brand new photo, the same photo, but you know, just a blank, no colors. Right. And I tried coloring again and it didn't work. Right. I still colored outside the lines. So I literally failed kindergarten for that, had to move to another school and redo kindergarten all over again. And you know, at four or five years old, that's pretty traumatizing, right? And if you're not doing the inner work, that's going to carry on to your adult life. So all my life, I would be so afraid of failure to the point where I just don't do anything because I just assume I would fail. And if I fail, I was just the biggest loser. And then also when you grow up in Asian culture, they're very strict when it comes to your studies, right? It's like, I got a B in math. And they're like, why didn't you get an A? Right. Or I got a 96. That's great. But why didn't you get a hundred? So, you know, that intensifies it. Right. And then it's even worse when you live in a small city where everybody knows everybody. They start talking about so-and-so's kid, start comparing themselves to each other's kids. Oh, my kid made top one. Yours is stupid. So all that really builds up. And then it gets to you because you're like, Oh my god, all these people think I'm a failure because, you know, I failed kindergarten, I failed math, I failed this, I failed that. And so that was always my greatest fear until I realized that failure is just part of the process. It's not really failure, it's feedback. Because if we're not going out there taking action, making mistakes, trying to figure out what doesn't work, then nothing happens, right? And as men, men, they're just make stuff happen. 90% of the time they have no clue what they're doing, you know, but they just make it happen. And as women, we're 110% ready, but something still holds us back, right? And that's that fear, not feeling good enough, not having the confidence, not having the self-esteem because for centuries, we've been programmed to like be the homemaker, never make any noise, don't promote yourself, don't do anything to shame the family name, things like that. And so we have a lot of unpacking to do, a lot of unlearning to do. And because of this, women face a huge confidence gap for men. And if we just did the same thing men did, we would achieve so much. When I realized that I just have to go out there and just figure this out and just take action, I was able to do more in the two years of the pandemic from like the five years trying to figure it out myself. I love that. And having a support system, having help, you know, asking for help is so important. That's another thing I was afraid of asking for help because in our culture, that's like a sign of weakness or it's like we're asking for a handout. But as women, We need to learn to work together, right? Because men do it all the time. Men always collaborate on stuff. And that's why they move faster, right? Women, we're so afraid to work with each other. We get catty. We like to backstab each other. And, you know, that's a hard truth that most women don't want to admit. But when you have that support system, that community, it makes things a lot easier. We so need that,
0: especially as women of color, I think, as women in general. But, you know, at times you and I, although in different scenarios, we understand what it is to be a woman of color. And it's a little different for us. You know, a a lot of times I used to just ignore it, but circumstances and things that happen keep like mashing you down and are putting you down and you think it's you. And really those of us who are able to surpass that is the ones that get through some of the self-doubt and all those things. But let me ask you this. Tell me a time where you held yourself back.
1: One time was when I used to work a job. I worked in an office for 12 years. I actually didn't hate my job. It was more because of the politics, right? Like your boss doesn't appreciate 90% of the things that you do and you make one mistake, it's all over but, you know, at that point, I wanted to have a different job, right? I wanted to change jobs. I was like, you know, I've done everything that I could at this job. I wanted to find something different, right? And so I was trying to find a different job. And then I was telling my coworker at the time that, oh, I'm going to go look for another job. I just want to do something different. I want to make more money. And what he told me was like, well, you already make more than enough as a woman. So why would you go out there and look for another job? And because I didn't have that inner work, I actually believed him and stayed at my job for another five, six years. Wow. You know, as women, we get told that, right? And back then, like, there wasn't a lot of resources for women, especially for women of color, right? When you might immigrate to a country where, you know, it's mostly westernized, and you're that person of color, you're that smaller group at the time, you're lucky that you have a job, you're lucky you get money, right? And so we were just grateful for that at the time, not realizing, like, no, we can do more because... In theory, it's not Western people who own or were the first settlers in America and Canada, right? That was a moment where I held myself back because one person told me I already made more than enough as a woman. And I just kept myself at that cap.
0: Wow. That's pretty incredible what we put in our heads, right? Cause it's all self doing, but at the time I understand how you just believe it, believe that's true because somebody told it to you. Now tell me your lessons learned. Tell me some lessons learned for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Some of the biggest lessons I learned was it's okay to ask for help. You know, it's not shameful. It's not asking for a handout. It's a faster way to make things happen, get things done, have more confidence, because I believe support is very important, especially for women, right? I mean, the pandemic was a clear indication that women needed support, right? It's why we created the community because we understand how important that is. Being okay to ask questions, right? If you don't ask, the answer is always no, right? And I'm a big advocate to ask questions. I don't really care. I mean, sometimes there's still moments that I do, but most of the time I'll just go for it, right? If it's even something as simple as like asking people to buy a book, I'll go out there and do it because you never know where it could lead you. It could be, yeah, it could be a book sale at first, but then that book sale could be a speaking engagement, a book deal, people buying more books, right? People asking you to host something. And so that's why I'm not afraid, right? I'll just go out there and do it. <laughs> you know? I love it. I love and, how fierce yeah, like, you are. And, and some women might think that's just like tacky. I'm like, you can think whatever you want to think. I'm going to go out there and do it, right? Of course, there's always going to be people who judge you. Like you always say that, Yamilka, if you don't have haters, you're not doing anything because no matter what, you'll always have haters. Are you going to let the haters stop you from making those moves? Or are you just going to go ahead and do it and be surprised at yourself at the opportunities that's going to be presented to you when you just go out there and take action? And also like be okay with rejection. You know, if you make a grammar mistake, fine, it's okay. Like I've made so many mistakes <laughs> in this journey, it's crazy. But you know what? I've learned from them and I realize some of your greatest mistakes can also be your greatest opportunities. So,
0: oh, so um, true. <laughs> I love it. So tell me, Sheena, how do you see yourself in the next 5-10 years? Like where do you see yourself?
1: This is always a hard question for me because I always like to live in the moment and just figure things out along the way. So when someone's ask me, how do you want to see yourself in five years? I mean, I'm just like, (laughs) that's just me. I'm just being upfront. But I mean, if fear wasn't an option, if I was invincible, because we still fear stuff, right? I mean, that's just Right, right. I want to be speaking all over the world, you know, showing women what's possible because that to me just gets me fired up, right? Like a couple of days back, you know, we've created a second book called Asian women trailblazers who boss up. And some of the ladies just received their books, right? And they did an unboxing video. Watching that video got me so excited for them because I see how that book could work for them. How, you know, the opportunities, the potential, just seeing their eyes light up for the first time, you know, just looking at the book, turning the pages, you know, showing all the photos. I mean, when I got my books in hand, I was just like, oh my God, this is a legit book. I can't believe I I can call myself an author now. And it's crazy, right? Like you have something yeah. that you can whole, talk to people, give to people, sell to people. And it's just a really great business card, right? Because right. it's not just like your name, your number, and your email. It's your name, your story, who you are, what you represent. And it's a great connection because no matter what happens when the online world, human connection is very important. And so if a person can't feel connected to you, how do you expect them to trust you and buy from you?
0: Exactly. That's what I tell. And you have to be honest and authentic and all these things and clear and focused and consistent. I mean, there's so many things that you have to be. I'm so excited. Now tell us, where can we find you? I know you're everywhere. So just tell us.
1: Well, if you see something red, that's me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So you can check out my websites, SheenaYapChan.com or the TaoSelfConfidence.com, where you can check out past episodes. You can get a copy of, you can order a copy of Asian Women Who Boss Up. I also have some free things you can, um, you know, get like eight ways to boss up your confidence in life and business. All my social medias are under my name or my podcast name. But if you forget everything that I mentioned to you, just Google my name, Sheena YapChan, because I'm the only Sheena YapChan on oh, the yeah. internet. So it makes it super easy as well for me to search. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's awesome. Now, Sheena, I thank you so, so much for being on the Brand Therapist Show. You are awesome. I'm so excited to see what you're going to be able to do in the next few years. It's going to be incredible. You've already done so much already in the little time that you put yourself out there. So I'm excited to see what happens to you in the future. And maybe we get you back on and see where you are in your journey. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. All right. See you next time. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamilka.com. Thanks for listening.